Welcome to the Home Cook's Guide. I'm your host, Megan O'Donnell. I'm an above average home cook on a mission to help you elevate your everyday meals from ordinary to extraordinary. Aren't you tired of making the same boring meals every week? Well, I've got just the podcast for you. Every Monday episode will inspire you with new and diverse recipes. Together, we'll uncover the dish's rich history, we'll break down the ingredients, and talk through the step-by-step cooking process. Whether you're new to cooking or just looking for some weekly recipe inspo, this is the show for you. Be sure to follow on all social media platforms at The HCG Podcast for additional cooking inspo and show updates. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Home Cook's Guide. I'm your host, Megan O'Donnell, and today we will be making a soup that I believe will surprise and delight you. This is the perfect soup for your appetizer for any kind of fall or winter dinner party, or hey, Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, whatever. It's vegetarian, it's full of delicious nutrients, and can be made in advance of your already hectic, busy party morning. Any host of a party knows you do not want to overload yourself with oven-heavy dishes. So having a soup that you can make in the morning and heat up on the stovetop right before you want to serve it is kind of the perfect party hack. I believe that every party should start with a soup. Not only is it delicious and warming, hey, we could also do a cold soup in the summer. What's up, gazpacho? We'll absolutely be making one of those on the show. But I feel like it kind of level sets the event. Everybody's cortisol just instantly drops a little bit. We're feeling good. We're feeling warm. And hey, maybe if you have a family who you know, brings up topics that you're not supposed to bring up at a dinner table on a holiday, maybe they won't come at you so hard during the soup course. Maybe the soup course will make the main course a little bit easier. Maybe they'll let their guard down a little bit and, you know, (laughs) not spew nonsense about politics or sex or gender or whatever BS your family members spew at you at holiday parties. This year was the first time I ever actually have ever cooked with a honey nut squash. It's a little bit harder to find. So if you can't seem to find honey nut squash at your local grocery or a local farmer's market, butternut squash is perfect for this recipe. Don't go too crazy trying to find the honey nut squash. We'll get into a little bit more about what honey nut squash is. If if you're furrowing your brow and saying, what the hell is she saying? Stay tuned. You'll find out. So we'll be basing today's recipe off of a recipe from thelittlespicejar.com. You can find the link to the recipe in the show notes and you'll get all the specific measurements, pictures, and all that fun stuff there. This recipe comes together in about an hour between prepping, roasting the squash, putting it all together, putting it in the blender, and then a little drizzle drazzle of maybe some heavy cream, a little chive, a little pepita, or a roasted seed of your liking, and then... (laughs) You got yourself a soup, baby. This recipe makes about six to eight servings, but the beauty of soup is that you could easily double the recipe so that you can have more for your guests currently, or you could put them in pints or quart sizes and put them in your freezer for future leftovers. I adore soup for lunch, so my freezer right now is currently filled to the brim with various different types of soups that I could easily take out and quickly heat up for lunch when I'm working at home. All right, let's get into it. The main part of this soup will be honey nut squash. And so you might have not ever heard of a honey nut squash, but I will tell you, go and Google it right now. It is the cutest little thing I've ever seen in my life. This was the first year I've ever really cooked with them. And I love mini things. It's basically a small mini butternut squash. So it is a hybrid winter squash bred from butternut squash and buttercup squash. Buttercup squash is probably also something you've never really cooked before. It's a little round, dark green and orangey 
squash. It looks similar to a acorn squash, which again could possibly be another squash you know nothing about. This show will teach you about squashes, people. You will learn everything you need to know about squash. Everything you never thought you needed to know about squash. But they are mini, they are cute, and they're a lot sweeter than a butternut squash. So this soup will come out and it's creamy and warm. If you want to lean into fall, if you want to be as basic as humanly possible, then you need to be engaging with fall squash. So this squash itself is generally something you'll probably find in a farmer's market. And farmer's markets are glorious, but they are expensive. And again, not everywhere has a lovely farmer's market that they can just pop into on a Saturday or Sunday. Or maybe your town does and you're stuck going to freaking soccer games instead of, you know, strolling around a market, living your best life. But farmer's markets are great. Of course, they have delicious, fresh produce, eggs, bread, butter, pickles, whatever the hell you want. Your local farmer's market may or, or may not have them, depending on where you're from. This is one of those things that I like to buy at a farmer's market. I generally don't go and buy all of my produce at a local farmer's market because it's so fresh when you get it from the market. Oftentimes, it's like picked that morning or picked the night before. So your food's going to perish a lot faster. I usually try to buy specialty items when I go to the farmer's market. Again, everything comes at a premium, but you know it's organic. You know it's made locally. You know you're supporting local business, and those are all great things. But again, your everyday shoppers are not going to be buying all of their groceries at the farmer's market. And hey, if you are, go off, sis. Venmo me some money because <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> Sometimes I'll go and buy some eggs, a delicious loaf of bread. Sometimes they have like Amish butter, which is just like, a big hunk of delicious fresh butter. I also love a bespoke pickle company. I like to make my own pickles as well, but I don't always have the time. I can't always be making kosher deals on my weekend. <laughs> I have to I have to buy them at the market. So this is something you probably will find at the farmer's market. Again, if you're not able to find it at the market, no worries. Use a butternut squash that you can find. And you know what? Oftentimes, these food trends start picking up and grocery stores will start carrying different types of squashes. And honestly, you might just have to open your eyes a little bit and you might notice it's like on the bottom shelf of your grocery store. So if you can't find it, ask the manager at your store. And that goes with anything. If you can't find what you're looking for at your store, ask the store manager. This is like Karen adjacent. You're not being a full Karen, but you're just saying, hey, do you have this? Do you have this? Do you have this? And you, you know what? If a couple people keep asking, they might end up starting to carry certain things. The grocery store near me is massive. It could fit 12 football stadiums into it, but they never had miso paste. So I walked my little Karen ass up to the lady. I said, hi, how are you? Did you guys have miso paste? No, if anything, it'd be in this aisle. I'm like, well, I spent the last 18 minutes in that aisle and it's not there. Little did I know. One week later, came back to do my grocery shopping. And guess what was in aisle eight? Miso paste. Hello? Just gotta ask. You never freaking know. Again, honey nut squash might be a little bit harder to get it by versus, you know, someone just placing a quick order for some miso paste, but besides the point. So we'll be needing two and a half pounds of honey nut squash, which is usually about three honey nut squash. But if you are using butternut squash, it's about one large butternut squash. Any squash that you cook will be painfully annoying to peel, cut, scoop out the innards, and do all of the things. If you're using butternut squash, if you're using honey nut squash, you're definitely not going to find a honey nut squash pre-chopped at the grocery store. Just don't even try. But if you are using butternut squash in this recipe, you'll 
probably be able to find that pre-cut in the grocery store. Again, that comes at a markup. It's a lot more expensive and you don't know when the hell those things were cut up or let alone when the squash itself was picked. But do you do what you got to do. So first you're going to peel it with your regular peeler. Then I usually chop the bulb off first and then I chop the kind of stem off. And then from there I'll chop both in half. Again, you scoop out the innards and the seeds and then you will take the whole pieces, chop them into one inch cubes. And again, we will be blasting this in a blender once it's roasted and in the stock. So it doesn't have to be perfect. We're just trying to get it onto the roasting sheet. So from there, we've got your innards, you've got your seeds. And those innards, they can be used for a lot of things. Sometimes people like put them into breads or into juices or whatever, but that squash flavor is a little strong for me. So I toss them into the compost that is not for stock compost and the seeds themselves you could wash them off and roast them in the oven and make like a yummy little snack or put it on top of this very soup or a salad or something else delicious with a little salt and pepper voila we're using everything honey and those peels in the compost trash bye-bye can't do anything with them no and honestly by the time you're done peeling it you're gonna be so sick of looking at them and the pile of them that you're just gonna want to get rid of them Sorry, not everything can be used to, to its full potential. We will need one large onion for this dish. And basically, we will just take the skins off of the onions. We'll chop that onion into four, into quarters. And that's it. We'll just immediately put those on the baking pan with the squash. And that's it. No chopping needed. We love that. We've got six to eight garlic cloves, which are going to be peeled and whole. So we'll take our whole garlic cloves and we'll wrap them in a tiny little tinfoil pouch. And in that pouch, we'll just make sure we drizzle the cloves with some olive oil and some salt and pepper. Then we'll put the tinfoil pouch on the baking sheet along with the squash, onions, oil, and herbs. We're going to be blending these up in the blender at the end. So keep them whole to just relish in the amazing caramelized garlic flavor. We're not gonna wanna chop them and put them in here because once you chop them, there's too much surface area, they might burn. It's just better to keep them whole. Let's not skip the foil here because garlics burn really fast and the 30 minutes that they're gonna be roasting with the squash and the onions, they'll burn. So don't skip that step and make sure you throw it in some foil. Then we're gonna have some thyme, two sprigs, some olive oil, a little bit of cayenne pepper, and it's one eighth of a teaspoon here. So if you're a little spice averse, you're fine. Grow up, one eighth of a teaspoon, are you, are you for real? You could handle it, it's not gonna taste spicy. We're gonna need about two teaspoons of grated ginger. Generally, you peel your knob of your ginger about an inch long, and you're gonna wanna grate this on the smallest side of a cheese grater or a microplane if you have it. But I've actually heard people freeze their peeled knobs to make it easier to grate. But like, anybody got time for that? Like, I, I, I'm not thinking about that. And also, like, my freezer is so jam-packed. If I start now freezing ginger knobs, then I need a second fridge at this point. But you can also use one of those tubes of pre-grated ginger paste. Again, it's not as fresh. It's not as, you know, lovely and perfect, blah, 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 as fresh ginger. But it gets the job done. It gets the flavor you're looking for. And again, when you're in a pinch, you're trying to move fast. We're trying to get food on the table, like I mentioned. That ginger paste is just perfect and super easy. I use it for like weeknight stir fries. My boyfriend always uses it when he's trying to whip something up kind of quickly. So don't sleep on those ginger paste tubes. Then we'll need some warming elements within this dish. One eighth of a teaspoon of cinnamon, tablespoon of maple syrup, and then of course, 
three cups chicken or vegetable stock. I use chicken stock here. And again, you could use it from the box. You could use your own chicken stock that you've made. And this goes for vegetable stock that you've made yourself. Again, when I keep talking about certain types of food scraps that you could use for a stock, this is what I'm talking about. If you're making your own chicken stock with chicken, chicken bones, whatever you're doing, we'll get more into stock in a further episode. But saving some of these scraps can make your stock really have a robust flavor. But bouillon cubes are also amazing or better than bouillon, the paste. I love bouillon cubes. I think it's a really cost-effective way to just get like a quick and easy stock. And it's also way cheaper than the box stuff. You never know what the hell is in your box stock. And it costs a lot of money. I'm seeing it like $3.99 for a box, which is insane to me. I will say, bouillons can oftentimes run very salty. So the general rule of thumb is one bouillon per cup. I think that's too much. So I generally do one bouillon for every two cups. And so for this, it's three cups. So I'll do one bouillon for the three cups. If you don't have three full cups of any type of stock, you could always do two cups of stock and one cup of water because the elements in our soup are already super flavorful. And because we're roasting and caramelizing these delicious ingredients anyways, they will impart a lot of flavor into whatever we put them in. So of course we would love chicken or vegetable stock, whatever you have. But if you need to use half water, half stock, that is also fine as well. Again, if you want to make this vegetarian, we're going to go with veggie stock. Then we need half a cup of heavy cream. Or if you want to use a coconut cream, go forth and do your thing. And pro tip, I always save a little bit of cream to make a swirl design on each individual bowl that I'm serving. You may also want to top your soup with some fresh chives to not only add a nice little pop of color, but to bring out the flavors of the roasted onions. This soup does particularly well with a crunchy piece of bread on the side. So I do suggest that you have some ready for your guests because there is nothing worse than when a guest wants some bread and the host doesn't have it. Every host should have copious amounts of bread at your party. Even if you're gluten-free, even if you don't eat bread, that is hosting 101. A lot of this stuff is mainly based from the pantry, but the skins of the squash have got to go in the compost bin. You'll also have the innards, the seeds, and whatnot. As I, again, I mentioned before, you could roast them, you could put them in breads, juices, stock, whatever, but people even take the seeds out and give the innards to their dogs, but my little dog is a big old brat. She is like a little French dog because all she wants to eat is meat or cheese. She won't touch a vegetable. She honestly won't even touch a carb. I'm very jealous of her diet, but she is a priss. The thyme stems, throw those puppies out. They don't have any flavor because of the woody stems. Again, we'll learn more about herbs and which ones can go into stock, which ones cannot. But thyme stems, nothing you could do with them outside of taking the little little leaves off. We will have those leftover onion and garlic skins, which we could just add to our collection of other veggie scraps for a future stock. As I mentioned, this comes together in about an hour. Before we start prepping anything, we're always going to want to preheat our oven to 400. By the time you're done prepping all the veggies, your oven will be ready. So then we will take out our sheet pan. We'll put our squash on there. We'll put our peeled and quartered onions on there. We'll put our garlic tinfoil pouch on there. And then we will take the onions and squash and we'll coat those with our oil, thyme, and cayenne mixture. Then we'll stick her in the oven and your home will begin to just smell like heaven on earth. Again, honey nut squash is sweet. So you'll get the savory notes of like the delicious 
herbs and olive oil and onions but then you'll also have this delicious sweetness in the air from the honey nut squash it's just divine so we'll let that roast for about 30 minutes at the 30 minute mark you'll take the garlic and check how it's looking in the foil if it's looking caramelized and delicious you could take those out then you're just going to want to stick a fork through the squash and see if they're ready to come out and they're ready to be made into a soup you're gonna see the squash is browned and that's okay that is just flavor we are looking for that brownness Again, any longer in the oven, you're going to start seeing burning. But at the 30 minute point, you're kind of at that perfect sweet spot where it's the perfect level of caramelization on the outside of your squash and your onions. Oh, yum. Sometimes your oven might be a little bit slower to get there. So if you're not noticing browning on the 30 minute mark, keep it in there and just keep an eye on it. And so from here, we're going to want to take out a Dutch oven or a big soup pot, whatever you've got. So we're going to take a little bit of olive oil, tablespoon or whatever, and take those two teaspoons of ginger. And we're just going to saute it for a minute or two just to, you know, open up the flavors. And then we'll add the squash in, add the onions and add the garlic. Again, everything is in their whole form at this point, including the garlic. We will be blitzing and blasting it in the blender. Blitzing, blasting, blender. Say that three times in a row. And then you'll add in your stock. And at this point, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. You're going to say, this doesn't look like the picture she posted on her Instagram. This has no color. This actually looks like ass. (laughs) It's delicious. Let it rock. We're going to let the ginger infuse into the stock and all of the delicious flavors kind of meld together. About five minutes later, we could take it off the heat. And we're going to transfer all of that mixture into a blender. You can use an immersion blender, but I do always find the texture of a soup to be best when it's blended in a proper blender. Of course, you're gonna, you're probably going to have to do this in batches. And if you're doing it in advance for Thanksgiving, just take the time and do it in the blender. It's worth it. And even if you're just doing this for yourself, you are worth the extra time and effort it takes to make something the best it can possibly be. If you're not willing to take an extra four minutes to do something that is just going to elevate whatever you've already been working on for the past 45 minutes, then you need to, you know, seek therapy because it is worth it. You might dirty an extra dish. It's annoying, yes, but it's worth it. Once everything is in the blender, it's blended, that is when you will see the color. It is this beautiful, stunning, orangey yellow color of soup like you will be squealing with joy it's so beautiful and I just love color like I I I speak through color I feel like if that's makes any sense at all and it brings me so much joy seeing something beautiful and bright and to think oh I'm gonna eat that like it's just fun to me so at this point you've got all of our blatches of blended broth now I'm just doing alliteration. Batches of blended broth in your big, no, Dutch oven. This is, no, doesn't work. Anyways, so we've got all of our soup back into our Dutch oven. This is when you could take a yummy little taste. And at this point, it will be delicious, but it will be very sweet, like sweeter than you are expecting. So once everything is blended and looking delicious and luscious and silky, you're going to add the maple syrup, the cinnamon, and the cream. And so at this point, stir it all together You will taste it and it will be very sweet, sweeter than you might have been expecting. You will be thrilled, of course. This is when we go in and add the salt. 
Remember I was saying that we're not always positive how much salt will be in our box stock, bullion, homemade stock, whatever the hell you're using. You just never know. So when you're dealing with soups, it's always best to just season at the end. So at this point, throw a heavy dash of salt in there. And when I say heavy, I mean like kind of heavy. And I always do a couple cranks from a pepper mill and it should be perfect. And if it's still feeling a little heavy and a little sweet, you could add a splash of white wine vinegar in there to maybe cut some of that sweetness with some acid without getting the flavoring of like a, a lemon or something citrusy to get that acid. So that's always a good pro tip. Uh, white wine vinegar is flavorless, but it adds acidity. And again, if it's too sweet for you at that point, then I, I don't know what to freaking tell you. You need to learn how to embrace sweet things in your life. And you also need to stop eating goddamn Snickers bars for breakfast because you're now unable to eat naturally sweet things. You can uh, top this soup with pepita seeds, which are roasted pumpkin seeds. Or you, again, like I mentioned, you could roast the honey nut squash seeds if you if you fancy like that. And uh, some chopped chives on top just to add a little bit of greenness. But again, not really necessary. And just crunchy bread. You always need crunchy bread with soup. As I mentioned, if you're making this for a Thanksgiving first course, maybe you don't need the bread. I think you're going to get enough carb loading in the next course. But to each their own. I do not bread shame. Not on this here show. We do not bread shame. This soup is quick, delicious, and gives you a lot of bang for your buck. Again, if you're not able to find the honey nut squash at your local grocery or farmer's market, do this with a butternut squash. It's all the same shit. It's all delicious. Just embrace fall produce. That's my best Oprah impersonation. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you try out this recipe. Please, please, please reach out to me at Megan at the HCGpodcast.com with your thoughts or any tips and tricks on how I could have made this better, what fall soups you're making. Thank you for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Home Cook's Guide. If you're loving the show, leave me a five-star rating and a glowing review. You can also follow me on social media at the HCG Podcast or shoot me an email at megan at thehcgpodcast.com. And let's not forget, I spell my name the right way, M-E-G-A-N. Got any good recipes? Send them my way, please. And be sure to tune in every week for more delicious recipes.